Good Saturday morning and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. Wow, what a Saturday. This is amazing out there. Cool and brisk this morning, you know, a little dew on the lawn, great cup of coffee, turn up the radio, grab the cell phone, give me a call, 775-1310. If you have questions about gardening, uh, you know, it's been an amazing week. The weather has been phenomenal. Some heavy rain there, you know, plants have, are growing like crazy. You know, got my tractor, had a blast yesterday, moved a bunch of plants, you know, played a little bit, had fun, you know, went out to lunch with my wife, you know, really summer fun, you know, and gardening was a big portion of that the last couple of days. I've been, uh, you know, working in the vegetable garden and those weeds keep growing, you know, uh, it's just been really fun the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, enough work, enough play, everything's kind of coming together, this beautiful summer stretch of weather, you know, let's face it, you know, July is here, and uh, it's summertime, it's summertime, you know, I hope you're all ready for the 4th of July, uh, I will not be live next week, I will be taking some time off, but we taped a wonderful show this week, uh, and it's going to be really interesting uh show so you know tune in next week but uh i got my tractor you know and i'm just having a blast what a difference you know gardening is when you have a nice piece of equipment so you know thank you to for wallingford equipment up in auburn they uh delivered my kubota tractor and uh man just can't say enough about those folks they they did a great job uh you know i moved some big ornamental grasses yesterday and you might be thinking wow he's moving plants right before this hot weather that's coming well when i say i moved the plants i moved like an enormous because i have a tractor root ball these things are four feet tall right now they're four feet wide across i was able to kind of scoop up a whole big root system and then place it right back in the ground so quick turnaround uh you know and in and out of the ground um you know a lot of water moist spot I think we're going to do just fine. I'll be watering like crazy over the next, uh, you know, few weeks, of course, and, and into the fall. And I also planted a Japanese maple. Uh, you know, Ryhusen, I think I've talked about it, you know, big star-shaped flowers. Finally found that spot that was perfect for it, you know, uh, and, and got it just right. Had to prune a few branches to kind of shape it as a young plant going to stake it up and kind of grow it a little taller. It's a weeping form, you know, but big leaf, beautiful orange fall color. I'm kind of excited for the fall color on it. So, you know, going to check that out. And, you know, I'm, I got this tractor, so I'm going to pull a few shrubs that aren't doing well. Uh, next week's show, I talk about a few plants that aren't doing so well, and I'll be pulling those over the next couple weeks, uh, some mice damage stuff and, and, and whatnot. So tune in next week about that also. Uh, but, Overall, just amazing out there. I mean, last night we had dinner on the deck. We had a fire in the chimney. My wife and I sat, had a drink, talked for about two and a half, three hours, had hors d'oeuvres, you know, just perfect, perfect, perfect night. You know, you couldn't ask for a better night. Just really relaxing, you know, had the music going, just perfect. So we had a great, great time last night. And that's what summer's about you know, is getting out from in front of the TV, getting out, enjoying your yard, checking out all the plants you've put your time and energy into, 
you know, looking for those problems. Let's face it, gardening has an element of work to it. The weeds continue. I'm still battling, you know, still out there, you know, like a warrior. This is a great stretch of weather to kill weeds, though. You know, just that cultivation. I'm not talking about spraying weeds. I'm not talking about just get out there and take your hoe, take your your rake. Just cultivate those areas in these nice, sunny, warm days. You'll knock out 90% of your weeds. You'll knock out all those little seedlings that are starting to come up because of this beautiful weather. You know, so think about just getting out there and doing some cultivating. Obviously, it's going to be warm. Pick your spots, a lot of water, you know, and try to do it earlier in the day. And hopefully you don't have to water that day, you know, so maybe water the evening before, then cultivate the next morning, and then go at least 24 hours without watering. That way it will kill all those weeds, okay? I know no matter what, if plants are wilting, water them during this weather, okay? If you've put plants in that are fresh this year, new plants should be watering two to three times a week, keep an eye on them. If they start to wilt, water them more often. Now, we also got to be careful, okay? Because with hot weather, sometimes the plants just can't suck up enough moisture, okay? So they may actually be wet, but they wilt, okay? Endless summer hydrangeas, a prime example, those big leaf hydrangeas, sometimes they're super wet, and you actually wilt, and as soon as the sun starts to go down and things cool off, you see the leaves come right back up. So you can get some midday wilting, but they're plenty moist enough, okay? So be a little cautious. We also have our Independence Blowout Sale that has started this past Thursday. 20% off everything in all three stores. Now I say everything. There's a few things that are excluded. Gift cards, some labor, delivery, stuff like that. But you can get, you know, your bark mulch. You can get a nice patio pot, you know, before the 4th. And that goes through the 6th, okay? The 6th of July. Right through that holiday weekend. Now, I know the 4th is on Friday, okay? So a lot of people are getting off Thursday. I am. I'm taking four days off. Got some family coming into town. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to go out to the beach. We're going to play around the yard. You know, we've got fun family games we're going to have on the 4th, a brunch that we're going to have, you know, horseshoes and volleyball and ladder ball and, you know, all the kids and friends and family are coming over and we're just going to have a blast. That's what summer is about, okay? But a piece of that is gardening. And so this week, what does that mean? I got all these people coming over. I got to get all my baskets done. I got to get my patio pots all done. I got to get... Things weeded and cleaned up and mulched. Start early, do a little more often. I'm going to kind of just pick and choose. Obviously, the evenings are going to be warm. I'm just going to pick off a spot, do it, kind of have fun with it, okay? So again, 20% off sale through the 6th, off just about everything, store-wide. Pottery, annuals, patio pots, hanging baskets, all kinds of fun stuff. Get out there and enjoy that garden. So, you know... If you've been driving down the road right now, you'll see there's this white plant blooming everywhere on the side of the road. Everywhere. You're like, wow, what is that? It's the best plant in the world. Look at it. It's growing in the ditch. It's growing up the flagpole. It's growing up the telephone pole. It's growing everywhere. Okay. So this is multiflora rose. It's a native rose. It's here, there, everywhere. 
you know, big clusters of white flowers, then it gets some fruit later on in the summer. Can be considered quite invasive though. It's not a plant we sell. Um, can you dig it up and put it in your yard? Sure. You sure could. Do you want to? Maybe it's nice to see it from afar in that ditch is my recommendation. But a lot of questions have been coming in over the last week. You know, what is that beautiful white plant that's all here, there, everywhere? Man, it's beautiful. I just, can I get one? You know, let's pick a different variety. I think I think you're better off. You know, let's pick something else. Now, multiflora rose, very hardy, very tough, grows in all different conditions. Um, you know, rambling plant. Some call it a weed. You know, it's it's really up to you. I think it's beautiful. You know, I think it's a beautiful plant. I love it in the native kind of environment it's in. It gives us a big splash of color and boom, it's gone. Okay. Not a long blooming rose, not something that's going to be reblooming all summer. You know, you can prune it back and try to get it to rebloom, but it's not an ornamental really, folks. Okay. So think about that. You know, you always can dig one up if you want to, but my suggestion is probably not. So let's also talk about a few of the things out there that have kind of, I've noticed in my yard that have, have started, okay? And these are some recurring things that kind of show up, you know, throughout the weeks. And right now I noticed last night the cabbage moths have arrived at my house. So it's that little white moth that's around your broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, all those cold leafy crops, you know, sometimes on kale. Um, but that little white moth is laying eggs. And when it's flying around, we need to be cautious because obviously within the next couple of weeks, you'll start to see these little round holes and then all of a sudden leaves are disappearing and you get this little caterpillar that starts devouring all of those crops and burrowing into your cabbage heads and, and whatnot. So, you know, BT, you know, is recommended for that. Um, and what I recommend is you stay on a pretty regular schedule of spraying that or if you start to see the moth, you know, give one spray and then cover it over with, you know, like a harvest guard product so that the moth can't land on it and lay its eggs. Okay. And eventually they'll kind of move off, obviously, because they don't have a food source and they don't have a place to land um, and lay their eggs. So you may go ahead and just and do that and that will kind of take the problem away for a while. Now, obviously, we're impeding some sunlight, impeding some water you can kind of get in a situation where you don't see the plants wilting underneath this cloth. So be cautious about that. Giving them a little shade during this heat, maybe not a bad thing. If you have questions about your garden, give me a call, 775-1310. And, you know, spider mites have started. Um, Specifically, we've had a few customers coming in uh, on Dwarf Alberta Spruce. But they're starting. You know, we're right before that next big flare-up of heat. They probably got activated during the last little stint we had. Kind of, you know, have been muddled along here in this nice cool weather. And then, boom, we're going to get another round of heat and humidity. And that's when a lot of these insect infestations will explode. We've got the perfect conditions. Heat, humidity, you know, a little bit of moisture, boom. And just insects all of a sudden just multiply and divide and they show up all over the place. Perennial gardens, we're seeing some aphid problems. They seem to be a little bit on the bad side this year. Whole host of things you can do for that. Uh, Spittlebug. 
I don't know uh, if you folks are familiar with spittlebug, but if you kind of look at some of your plants or maybe even the weedy areas, you know, grassy areas on the side yard, you'll see in in the little, um, you know, notches of, of the leaves, you'll start to see these little groups that looks kind of like spit, okay? And it's a little bug that sits down in that crotch, and it just eludes a, a um, little mound of, of bubbles, basically. And spittlebug is not going to hurt any plants. They can easily be killed by just spraying them with a, a nice, heavy spray of water. Okay, you'll crush them, and it's not a big deal. I don't really even pay attention to them, to be honestly. Uh, I just, I just, they're not that big of a nuisance for me. I don't do a whole heck of a lot. Usually, any other general spraying I'm doing, you know, for an aphid or something, will knock them out. But I don't specifically treat for those or do anything to, you know, um, take care of them. Uh, a nice, nice spray of water does a great job. Uh, and slugs and snails. You know, now's the time to think about, you know, getting more aggressive with them. You know, again, heat and humidity. And a little bit later in the show, we'll talk about kind of some fungal stuff. You know, how we kind of maybe get ahead of that going into this heat and humidity. And we've also got a guest today. We've got a guest, Mark Fonts, uh, former uh, president of the Maine Landscape and Nursery Association. We're going to be talking a little bit about noble trees and what, it, what what's a noble tree. Well, a noble tree is that old old tree that you see in that beautiful field or along the roadway, that tree that just stands grand. And, you know, Herbie was a noble tree in Yarmouth, you know, the big old elm that we took down a number of years ago now. Unfortunately, Dutch elm disease finally got it. But we're going to be talking, you know, with Mark, not only about noble trees, but also about emerald ash borer, you know, which is coming folks the turnpike it's coming up the turnpike here before too long so we're going to talk with mark here shortly we're going to take a quick break we'll be back with more from the joy of gardening on news talk wlob are you an organic gardener Finally, there's a fast-working and effective all-organic insect control available from Bonide. Bonide's Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew is the answer to all your garden insect problems. Captain Jack's works two ways, on contact and when the insect feeds. This will ensure that your insect problems are over. Captain Jack's controls all types of insects, including caterpillars, beetles, spider mites, boars, and more. Use it on vegetables, flowers, berries, trees, shrubs, and fruit. Captain Jack's all-organic insect control is available in easy-to-use dust, liquid concentrate, ready-to-use and ready-to-spray containers with built-in spray applicator. Pick up some Bonite Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew today at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit maineigc.com or bonide.com. Arr. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine, working together to ensure you, the customer, gets the best quality advice and service. Visit us at MainIGC.com to see the closest IGC member near you, then stop by your local member garden center, where we'll help you select the best product for Maine's climate and soil. We work together to satisfy you. Visit us at MainIGC.com. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? 
Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer is here. How are you going to celebrate? Start your summer off with a bang by shopping the Independence Blowout Sale at Estabrooks. Everything at Estabrooks and Yarmouth, Scarborough and Kennebunk is now 20% off through Sunday, July 6. Choose from big, beautiful plants, helpful tools and gardening supplies, soils, mulch, pottery, and so much more. It's the perfect way to get your home and garden ready for the 4th of July and beyond. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook on an amazing Saturday morning. Just absolutely stunning. You know, when I woke up this morning, just took the cup of coffee out. Amazing, nice, cool, beautiful dew out there. The landscape was looking good. But we're talking noble trees today, and we're talking with Mark Fonts, uh, past president of Maine Landscape and Nursery Association. Mark, how are you today? I'm well, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Good morning. It's just beautiful out there today, huh? It is, isn't it? Uh, we'll take, what, three or four months of this? <laughs> That's right, especially on the weekends, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only on the weekends. <laughs> well, really, all all we really need is, what, probably from 6 in the morning till what, 10 o'clock at night. It can yeah, rain It rain can rain from 10.30 to, you know, perfect, 4. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, let's talk noble trees, you know, first Great, off. my favorite topic. You, you, I love the pictures you put on your Facebook page and, and just... Big old majestic trees. They're just something we can't replace easily. And let's face it, we need to plant more trees. We do. You know, so you know, I think uh, my dad instilled a love of nature in me. And uh, b- but my my love of trees probably really developed after a trip to Oregon, in which I uh, went out to the coast of the state and saw some of the. Uh, in particular, Sitka spruce that are on the coast of Oregon that are just immense trees. Uh, and I had uh, uh, one of the folks that was with me take a photo of me sitting on a burl at the base of this uh, huge Sitka spruce. And the, just the burl itself was probably four or five feet across, and the tree was close to 18 feet in diameter. It just was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, when you see a specimen like that, it just kind of takes your breath away. You know, it does. as it a does. plant, as a plant person, we really kind of geek out on it. But, we do, <laughs> you know. But the layman person still has to just stop and go, "Wow, that's right." You know, that's right. So, I'm really fortunate that in my job I travel a lot, so I get to uh, I get to see these trees all over the Northeast and in other parts of the country. Um, on a regular basis, and so I started a couple of years ago snapping photos and posting them to my Facebook page and uh, uh, referring to them as noble trees. That's actually a a term that um, Dr. Mike Durr used when he was here a couple of years ago speaking to Melna. He kind of used it offhandedly, but um, uh, it's something that I picked up on, and, uh, and I just thought that it was... 
a very apt term for some of the trees that uh, that I see out there. I agree with you. You know, in our Yarmouth, uh, we lost Herbie. You know, uh, right. which was was in a majestic noble tree. I I grew up under the canopy of of Herbie. Uh, I went to the bus stop in grade schools, standing at the base of Herbie. It, it was a big loss when it came down for me personally just i drive to work underneath that tree every day you know it was you know like a gold standard i would be driving down the road and boom every day i was in awe it would really you know and now being that herbie is gone i notice a lot of other trees you know within our town and specifically some enormous 40 to 50 year old ash trees and you know they're lining the greens at NYA, North Yarmouth Academy in Yarmouth. They're here, they're everywhere. We've started a campaign in Yarmouth. We've got these green bands around all of our ash tree that basically say, I'm an ash tree with a website kind of talking about emerald ash borer, unfortunately. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with you is you put out a nice link the other day that basically told us about what's going on in New Hampshire. So give us an update about that. Well, I think first what we what we need to do is is just talk really briefly about how important ash trees are to the state of Maine and other states in in New England. Um, many people don't may not realize it, but ash trees actually make up uh, um, about one third of our forest trees, mm. our forest hardwoods. Uh, we in Maine have three species of ash in our forest. We have black ash. Yellow, uh, uh, yellow ash, and I'm sorry, black ash, green ash, and white ash. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you look at them in the forest, and you may not think a whole lot about them, but they're pretty important um, for for you and I. Of course, ash trees are, are an extremely important landscape plant. They've been uh, a, a, a key species for our industry because they tolerate the pollution of city streets. They don't have um, a lot of problems with insects and diseases, mm-hmm. and they're um, they're fairly long lived, and they're beautiful, beautiful street trees. Absolutely, I mean, some of these specimens in the Yarmouth area, you know, are you know three, four feet around now, fifty feet tall, uh, limbed up well over the wires, really just anchor points within you know Main Street specifically, and and throughout the town. Right. Exactly. And there are other things, other uses for ash as well. Tool handles, axe handles, farm implement tool handles have for years been made of ash. Um, ash is an important uh, furniture um, wood. Baseball bat. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity a number of years ago when I was in Louisville, Kentucky, to, to uh, tour the Louisville Slugger plant. And they make their, uh, all of their baseball bats from four-foot ash bats. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Maine, uh, ash is used for making snowshoes and hockey sticks. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there's always the firewood issue. Ash is there, there's a there's an old poem that says, um, "Ashwood wet and ashwood dry, the king shall warm his slippers by." There you go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's really an important species to us. And emerald ash borer is on our doorstep and is uh, is something that we all need to be really concerned about. Yeah, I think the big thing is getting the word out just to be vigilant and looking and understanding, you know, that it's possibly out there, it's moving at a clip, they're, they don't really know how quickly it's moving, I guess. It, it's, it's leaps and bounds, basically. It is. Um, you know, it was first detected in the 1990s in the Midwest, 
Uh, it was determined that it was brought in from Asia to the west coast of the United States on packing material. Um, you know, we ship an awful lot of goods out of out of Asia on ships, and uh, and they use wooden uh, boxes and crates to ship that material. And um, until really the last ten years or so, uh, there were no controls over the how that how that packing material was treated before it was shipped to the United States. So we had. A lot, uh, actually, a number of, of invasive insect pests that uh, that arrived in that manner, but uh, in that in the, that short amount of time, from the 1990s to now, it has made it from the west coast to the east coast, um, and we need to be paying attention. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like you know Mother Nature or weather is affecting it as far as like cold killing it off. We're seeing it in the coldest parts of the country as well, too. We are, yeah, yeah. It it. Uh, it really devastated the upper Midwest a few years ago. Um, they lost uh, all of their ash tree trees, uh, and it really was a was just a terrible sight to see those trees being cut down. Huge, old, beautiful street trees. Yeah, and uh, but that's the damage that this beetle can cause. It's it's um, it's a voracious pest. It causes a lot of a lot of damage, and it causes it very quickly. So let's talk a little bit about the signs that we should kind of be looking for. I know the state's got traps out. They're looking. They're trying to catch some. But in many communities, the first sightings or the first things were not in traps. They actually were homeowners that had called up and said, hey, my ash tree's not doing well or or whatnot. And then it was found in without a trap or anything like that. So what, are we, right. what should we and look actually for? That's- that's what happened in in New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago. A homeowner uh, happened to uh, see an arborist working in some trees and said, "Hey, would you take a look at my trees? I think there's something wrong with them." Um, and this is just over the border in Salem, New Hampshire. Salem is um, on the on the border with Massachusetts, and it was so it was only a couple hundred feet over the border. Mm-hmm. And the arborist took a look at it and he said. Mm, I think I know what that is, <laughs> and uh, and he called the state right away, and they came in, and sure enough, there was a fairly substantial infestation of emerald ash borer. Mm-hmm. Um, emerald ash borer is a is a metallic green beetle. It's between uh, a quarter and a half an inch long, and it's sort of bullet shaped. And you may or may not see the beetle, but um, some of the things that you can look for that are more telltale signs. Um, what happens to the to the tree there the is the woodpeckers will come when the tree has been infested and they'll start flaking the bark off of the ash trees looking for the larva of the insect to eat and that creates what's called blonding if you look in the in the crown of the tree you'll see ash bark is normally a dark gray mm-hmm. and um, where the woodpecker activity is taking place there'll be this light can look to it, and it can be pretty prevalent and really stand out. In fact, it's something that uh, when I first saw blonding, it was on uh, Interstate 293 over in Concord, New Hampshire, where there was an infestation um, last year. And it really, you know, at 65 miles an hour on the interstate, it jumped right out at me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably going to be one of the ways that people will be able to uh, detect this, this pest. And it, and it makes a very distinct hole, correct? It, 
does. Um, when the insect exits the tree, because the larvae um, live under the bark in the cambium layer of the tree, and uh, that's where they feed, and that's what causes the tree to die. When the when the the adult emerges, it comes out of the bark and leaves a D-shaped hole, um, uh, capital D with with actually the the flat side mm-hmm. on the bottom, um, and that hole uh, is it. It's not very large. It's um, it's only going to be probably you know an eighth of an inch or so in uh, in diameter. Yeah, so those can be a little harder to detect, but that's a telltale sign. Yeah, I mean, at that point, the tree's fairly infested quite a bit, and the the infestation's kind of right there. Treatment at that point is pretty tough, if I'm correct, right? It is. Yeah, unfortunately, um, when it, when it gets to the point where you see substantial blonding or uh, numerous. Uh, exit holes, uh, the tree is probably uh, too far gone at that point to save, and it's time to start looking at the other ash trees in the area and uh, and and talk about treatment of, of those. Okay, Mark, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the quarantine of wood, you know, kind of the costs, you know, some of those things that people will incur you know, and uh, maybe some steps that they might take, you know, to just keep their eye open. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. At Coast of Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Summer is here. How are you going to celebrate? Start your summer off with a bang by shopping the Independence Blowout Sale at Estabrooks. Everything at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is now 20% off through Sunday, July 6. Choose from big, beautiful plants, helpful tools and gardening supplies, soils, mulch, pottery, and so much more. It's the perfect way to get your home and garden ready for the 4th of July and beyond. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. 
You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com slash videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're talking with Mark Fonts, past president of the Maine Landscape and Nursery Association. Mark, thanks for being on. You're welcome. Great to be here. You know, it's really a tough top topic to kind of talk invasive insects, and you know, Maine's been pretty lucky. I mean, we don't have that many problems like other states have had, and we can learn a lot from other states. I assume. Yeah, we can. You know, we have really dodged the bullet. Um, we have uh, uh, somewhat of an issue with hemlock woolly adelgid, mostly confined to the coastal regions of the state, and that's a pretty nasty pest. Mm-hmm. Um, we were fairly lucky in that Asian longhorn beetle uh, did not get a foothold here. That's not to say that it won't, um, but so far it hasn't. Um, but, and those two pests actually seem to be more affected by the cold, cold winters that we that we have here in Maine. We didn't have one of those last year or anything, so, you know, I mean... <laughs> no, no. It was a balmy no degrees here. Yeah, exactly. You know, the nice part is we're getting the offset of that right now. So, yeah, you know, I are. mean, we're getting the, the, the polar opposite of that. So yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, exactly. But uh, So, you know, we can learn a lot from what has happened in other states. and And what we do know is... There's going to have to be a lot of trees that come down, and there's a tremendous amount of cost involved in that, not only for homeowners but towns. That's right. Yeah, there there is. Unfortunately, with uh, emerald ash borer, we are uh, you know it has its sights on us, and and all of the uh, all the state agencies have uh, really told us that it's coming, and we just you know we need to be prepared for what's going to happen. Um, we we really are looking at probably a, a lot of uh, particularly green ash and white ash that are used as, as street trees mm-hmm. getting infested and having to be removed. Um, and so, just keeping our eyes out and um, and reporting it if we if we see it is is going to be really important to try to limit the spread of this of this really destructive pest. Yeah, I mean, I'm sit, I sit on the Yarmouth Tree Board, and we've been going over this for well over a year to pre-treat, not pre-treat. You know, let's face it. I mean, the the these big trees, you can't spray, you know, massive amounts of neighborhoods and whatnot. So, right. you know, I mean, communities and homeowners are going to have to get educated about this. Right now, the state's not recommending that. 
you know, but it's going to be something that comes fast and furious when it does. And from my understanding, you know, any type of treatment takes one to two years to get within the tree. It may be too late by the time we know. That's right. Yeah, uh, it it may be for some trees, but for other trees, we have the we have the ability to save those trees if they're treated. In most cases, it's something that's going to have to be done by a licensed arborist, mm-hmm. licensed pesticide applicator, because the treatment um, that's going to be the most effective is an injection um, where uh, little capsules are um, are actually injected into the root flares of the tree and the the pesticide is taken up by the tree's cambium layer um, and spread throughout. And that's just not something that a homeowner can do. Right. It, you know, I mean, so, you know, the big thing is what I've kind of been talking to a lot of customers because we're starting to get a lot of questions. People are coming in, hey, I do have an ash tree. Because we've put those bands on the tree around around town, and these, some of these are in people's yards. They're the focal point in their front yard. Uh, you know, the thing I've been telling people is, now it's time to think about putting a few extra trees in your yard. If we, right. you know, get them sized up, maybe it's a year, maybe it's six months, maybe it's 10 years before we see this, the likelihood is we're probably going to see it here, at least in southern Maine. We are. We are. There's, there's no doubt about it at this point. And, and that advice is, is, is actually perfect advice. Let's plant some more noble trees. You know, start start now. Uh, if you if you have space for uh, for a couple of trees, and try not to plant the same species. Um, plant plant different species. Mix it up a little bit. You know, variety is the spice of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and monocultures are what get us into problems like this. Um, when we when we line a, a you know a downtown Main Street with all one species, if something occurs that attacks that particular species, we lose the entire value of that of that um, that street's beauty. Yeah, we've got a couple generations that don't necessarily remember Dutch elm disease now. We do. You know, and this is a prime scenario where in Yarmouth specifically, we've got some neighborhoods that when they did the development, there are all ash trees. Right. And, you know, it frustrates me as a plant person and somebody who loves diversity to look at, you know, we did a survey of the tree canopy in the town of Yarmouth, and between maple and ash, we probably had 65% between these two two species. Now, our next generation of planting, because we understand what we have, we're putting in ginkgos, and we're putting in, you know, fruit trees, and we're putting in a whole host of different flowering and, and different genus and species to get that diversity and trying not to plant as many maples and not plant as many of the things that we have more of. And I would empower people to understand their town. And if you, uh, there's a lot of sugar maples, maybe you don't put a sugar maple in. Maybe, right. maybe you put some other beautiful trees, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some great trees that are underutilized. Uh, black gum is a good example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a zone 5 plant, so it really needs to be planted along the coast in Yarmouth. It's a great, uh, that's a great location. But there's a, there's a tree that, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of problems with, with insects and diseases. Fantastic street tree, really nice um, landscape plant. Uh, Unfortunately, some of these diverse trees are not always found in nurseries, you know, because people don't come in and ask for them. 
So my suggestion is if you're planning on adding some trees, start working with your nursery now for maybe a fall buy, you know, where they can order in some diverse things, do some research on our websites or or whatnot. And then also for spring, you know, start thinking about your trees in the fall and winter. And if you want that diversity, you know, and we've kind of started to, you know, increase our diversity, cut back on some of the maples and some other things, you know, to try to give people more choices it's just people aren't informed on what types of trees. So if you can go to a talk or some other type of thing that will talk about this, and I think this is a great topic to get out to the public of what other trees can they plant. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, And, you know, there are things that I think that it's also important that people um, really learn to recognize um, these these trees that uh, that might have problems. Uh, you know, tree identification is something that we in in the horticultural field learn in in our you know in our college years. But it's also something that I think, um, given the given situations like this, the homeowners should learn to be able to identify the trees in their yards, know what an ash tree looks like, mm-hmm. know what a maple tree looks like. You know, ash. Um, have uh, have a big, broad, rounded crown. Their bark is very um, very easy to identify because it's dark gray. It has uh, very vertical uh, ridges and fissures. Um, its uh, its leaf sh- leaf shape is is um, unique. And if you can if you can learn to identify the trees, learn the trees' silhouette. So when you're driving around, if you see a tree by the side of the road, you can say, "Oh, that's an ash tree." Um, that's going to really help to be able to, uh, again, limit the spread of emerald ash borer. If people know what they're looking for when they're out and about, um, when they see it, they'll be that much more confident. Yeah, I would empower towns and people, you know, to get involved with their town and their tree boards. And if they have a, a, a tree warden, you know, talk to them about marking those trees like we have in Yarmouth with a Yeah, nice, I love that idea. You know, it, I'll tell you, as soon as we did that, we linked it to a website in our community services. We've had some public meetings. You know, we're listening to people. Do you want us to treat? Do you not want us to treat? Do you want us to cut them down? Do you want us to plant more trees? What do you want us to do? We're stewards of the town. Right. We're not here to make the decisions. You know, we just want to know what the community wants to do so that when and if this really when it shows up, we have an action plan. And last but not least, I guess the big thing is from a tree board, we've really looked at the costs of what it is going to do to take all these trees down. And then also we have to house the wood. It can't right. leave our town because our town will be quarantined. So right. do we have people we can sell the firewood in town to? Do we have to chip it and burn it? What do we have to There's a lot of things that people aren't thinking about right now and this is a big cost, isn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely will be. And you know Tom, I think you you mentioned firewood. That's that's probably one of the most important things to let folks know is firewood is one of the main ways that emerald ash borer is spread. So leave your firewood at home. Don't take it to camp. Don't take mm-hmm. it on your camping trip. Um, pick up firewood when you get there. Uh, Maine now has a quarantine in effect. You cannot bring um, cut and split firewood into the state uh, because we're trying to keep out several different species of insects. 
Um, so the really the best course of action for folks is to uh, is to leave that leave your firewood right at home and buy what you need when you get where you're going. And I think that's a great you know segue to letting people know you know what if you've got firewood in your home and you live in southern Maine and you're going up north maybe it's time to stop thinking about you know what I'll just get some wood when I get up there. Right. Because now we're in that situation where we could have it in our wood piles too. And right. now we're moving it around our own state, you know. Yeah, and, and you know we do it unknowingly. Absolutely. And what I've I've said time and time again to people is if you make a mistake and you do that, just burn all the wood. Burn all the wood you bring with you. Burn it as quickly as possible. Don't put it on the pile and leave. You know, really important kind of point I think. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mark, this has been great. You know, thanks for the update. You know, hopefully, we ward this off for a number of years, but you know, unfortunately, insects don't know borders. <laughs> That's right; they <laughs> you don't. Know, you know. And I would just encourage folks: if you think you see emerald ash borer, e- even if you you know just suspect it and you're not sure, report it. Uh, you can go to the Maine Department of Agriculture, Conservation, and Forestry website. There's a link right on there where you can file a report where you can call the Maine State Forest Service, and they will react immediately because they are they are really on top of this right now. Yeah, it's a it's a major issue. Thank you very much, Mark Fonts, uh, past president of the Maine Landscape and Nursery Association. Thanks, Tom. All right, have, have a great, a great Saturday. All right. So, you know, absolutely a hot-button topic, you know, something we need to stay vigilant on. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Summer is here. How are you going to celebrate? Start your summer off with a bang by shopping the Independence Blowout Sale at Estabrooks. Everything at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk is now 20% off through Sunday, July 6. Choose from big, beautiful plants, helpful tools and gardening supplies, soils, mulch, pottery, and so much more. It's the perfect way to get your home and garden ready for the 4th of July and beyond. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. You know, if I could just find one product that would control my insect problems on my house plants, around the outside of my house, on my lawn, in my flower beds, and my vegetable garden. Hmm. Ma'am, Bonide has the answer. What? Bonide's 8 insect control is effective against more than 100 insects that destroy trees, shrubs, lawns, flowers, vegetables, and fruit. 
Use eight to eliminate ticks, fleas, ants, and other home-invading pests. It can even be used indoors on houseplants. Wow. Eight kills on contact and repels insects for up to 30 days. Eight is available in dust, concentrate, and in convenient, ready-to-use and ready-to-spray formulations with built-in hose and sprayer. Really? Find Bonide 8 Insect Control at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit maineigc.com or bonide.com. Thank you, ma'am, for your time. Thank you. Whether it's pest management, improving your soil, treating diseases, or simply staying ahead of the weeds, gardening can often feel like a lot of work. Finding great local advice that's timely and helpful doesn't have to be. Sign up for the Estabrooks Garden Newsletter, and you'll receive gardening tips, in-depth articles, and great deals every week right in your email inbox. It's the perfect way to stay ahead in the garden and save big on your next visit. To learn more and sign up, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks, for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Another perfect Saturday. Kind of a little downing news there, you know, about Emerald Ash Borer. You know, let's face it, I'm, it's... There's a lot of issues, you know, that kind of can come up the turnpike here, so to speak. And Mark made some excellent points, and we're going to continue this discussion. I want you to be very vigilant about, you know, looking for that blonding. You know, if you're in York, Cumberland, you know, all communities, really, uh, it's time for us to, to pay attention to the woodpeckers. That's the first sign. If you see a lot of activity in an ash tree, you know, let's be cautious about that, okay? So, you know, if you have a question, give me a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. And, uh, you know, we've got a question on the phone. Good morning. This is Tom. How can I help? Hi, Tom Allen. How are you? Allen, how you doing? Good. I'll keep this quick. I know it's uh, pretty short here. i got to go back to my garden. All right. It's beautiful out there, isn't it? Yeah. A quick question. Um... The, uh, I have Fort, I think it's Fort Laramie strawberries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Everbearing. And for some reason this year, they, they were about the size of a raspberry. Yeah, you know, I think there could be a couple things. How, how long have they been in the ground? I would say a good two or three years. Okay, all right. And have you, you've been getting a really good yield, right? Well, last year, they're not as big as I expect them to be, but okay. they were, you know... I would say small strawberries. Okay, okay. Um, but this year they were kind of deformed. They were, it just didn't look right. Okay. Hmm. I um, wonder if we had had some problems early on with some pollination maybe. Um, okay. Secondly, what have you been doing for feed or, or whatnot? Well, I have I have um, some good compost in there, mm-hmm. um, good loam, and... Um, uh, you know, Neptune's Harvest, I've used that. Okay, all right. So um, Garden you know. Tone, so yeah. Yeah. that seems to be pretty good. Really um, really good good foliage growth? Yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe we need to lift them and divide them out again. Maybe oh. they're in such great rich soil, you know, they're almost, you know how strawberries have kind of a lifespan of two, three, four years Mm-hmm. And then they like to be lifted, divided, and replanted. So, you know, if you see commercial production, you know, you go to pick your own strawberries. 
you notice they always have some fields that are started, but there's really no strawberries or they're not really letting you pick in them. Right. It, it's because they're giving them a year before they, they're, they're growing them and sizing them up. They put new roots in. And so, you know, a lot of times every two to three years, they're lifting those roots, they're planting new fields, and they're dividing because kind of they almost grow competition-wise and your fruit will get smaller. And so a lot of times that can be the case. Uh, you know, strawberries are not plant it and forget it type scenario. So I think that might be the case. Maybe, you know, lift some of those and divide them and, and line out a new patch, see if that helps. Yeah, that does sound like it. And it is a small space they're growing in. So I think you're right on that one. So, yeah. Um, all right. All right. Excellent. Get all out right, there. Thanks, en- enjoy your garden. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right. Bye. You know, I guess that's the topic of, of today. You know, I've got a question here, and I'm going to just brush over it real quickly. You know, this customer, Cindy from South Portland, has a few plants she's like she'd like to move right now. And, and Alan kind of led me right into that. And we've got about a minute left or so. But we've got hot weather coming. And I talked at the beginning of the show, I moved some plants yesterday. Now, I want to heed people on caution about moving plants going into hot weather. You got to be really good about getting a big root system. You got to be really good about getting them out of the ground and going right to the new hole. And you got to be really good about watering and managing that stress. If you can do those, plants are very resilient. If they're new plants, been in a year, it's probably pretty easy. You can go ahead and do it. These plants sound like they're established. Be cautious about moving in this hot weather. Be cautious about you working in this hot weather. Make it fun out in the garden. Not a big chore. Small amounts, more often, early in the day, late in the day. Remember, if you have insect problems, we want to spray later in the day. Protect those bees. We also don't want to spray in weather over 80 degrees in the middle of the day. Too hot can burn your plants, okay? Very important, I want you to get out and enjoy your garden. This is summer at its best. Get out there. Enjoy your garden. Maybe enjoy a patio. Maybe a little cookout. But enjoy your weekend. See you next week. WLOB Portland and WLOBRadio.com.